<laughs> okay. Look at this. <laughs> To Seeing Red the Pod, episode 35, where we always discuss the latest Nebraska issues. I'm Stephanie, and here with me today is Melody. Hey, Melody. How's it going? Hey, hey. Uh, did you have yourself a covid giving or Thanksgiving? Um, <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we had our uh, November food celebration, um, and it was just me and Shelby and my partner. So uh, we didn't see anyone or go anywhere because I love my family enough to stay away. Yeah. Did you cook it up or cater it? I cooked it up. It was oh, fantastic. Good for you. I'm so, so proud of you. That's thanks. such hard work. Uh, making Thanksgiving dinner is something I always did with my grandma. So it's something that I find a lot of joy in. Well, I just recently got a job, uh, a new job, so I'm feeling rich. I'm definitely not rich, but I like feel rich because I don't have to count every, I have to count the dollars instead of counting the pennies now. Pennies, right. Yes. So we catered because I'm feeling rich uh, Mm -hmm. and we went to Granny Weaves, which is- I've heard their food. Oh my God. The turkey, we got a smoked turkey. It was so soft. It collapsed. When they took it out of the smoker, Mm. like the bones collapsed Mm. because the meat wasn't tough enough to hold the bones together. Mm. It was amazing. I've heard their cornbread is like out of this world. Oh, their sweet potato pie is the best I've ever had Mm. in my life. It was so good. So highly recommend, highly recommend. The greens Mm. were too spicy because, you know, I I have a white lady tongue, so I just can't, I can't hang but maybe somebody else would like them. So don't, if you, unless you have a white lady tongue, don't take my recommendation. But right. if you do, they're too spicy. Mm. <laughs> great, great. Like if you're well, from New Mexico, you probably love them. We've got a fantastic speaker today, but I do have one thing I'll say before that. Wear your okay. freaking mask. Wear your mask. Stay away from all the people. Stay home. Don't go anywhere. Wear a mask. I Wear a cannot, mask. Uh, I have a dear friend who lost his 96-year-old mother today to COVID, and um, we have got to value our elders um, and the people that are most at risk right now, and they are not expendable. They have value, and um, they deserve better, so that's just my two cents. Well, I'll pay it. I'll pay the two cents. Thank you. Tonight with us, we have Alexander Bear Matthews on the pod. He's an organizer in the Omaha-based group Pro Black and has been raising up the issues of police violence, racism, and justice in Nebraska. Bear, welcome to the pod. So excited to have you tonight. Thank you for having me. Um, I just, I want everyone to know, like, I'm going to ask him, I'm going to ask you, Bear, like, you know, are you from Omaha? Where, you know, can, give us a little bit of your history. But I want everyone to know, like, right before he came on the pod tonight, 
he found Ricketts in a bar not wearing a mask and basically uh, told him to fuck off on uh, live stream. So, and then he's like on our pod. So I just want everyone to be aware that's the space we're all in. We're all just like really lifted up by that. So. Fine, fine work, friend. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh. So, so on that note, like, who are you, Bear? Where did you come from? Did you grow up in Omaha? Are you, uh, you know, kind of what high school did you go to if you did? You know, the, kind of the normal stuff. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Um, so I grew up in Omaha. Um, I would, lived in North Omaha until I was 10. And then uh, my parents kind of uh, felt as though the neighborhood that we were in uh, was pretty not uh they didn't feel that they were safe uh uh to raise a family i right now i disagree uh on my stance on how i feel now but back then they felt like it wasn't a safe place to raise my uh, raise a family my neighbor was uh gunned down uh at the park that was uh, right up the street from our house uh it was actually at miller park i lived right next to miller park and uh so when i was 10 we moved to west omaha and uh i went to miller north high school um, for a little bit. Then I moved to California for about six months and, um, I was supposed to stay there, but, uh, a whole bunch of extenuating circumstances happened to where I was forced to come back to Omaha. This is when I was 16 as well. Uh, I was forced to come back to Omaha when I was 16. And then instead of going to back to Millard North high school, I went to Millard Horizon high school, which is the alternative school for Millard. And um, yeah, I graduated in 2015. And um, then I went to college right after, went to Metro, graduated from Metro. And then I started at UNO for my junior year. And then that is when I got arrested. And then I went, I got arrested uh, uh, for selling weed or, or for selling THC oil. To, uh, to friends and then after I got arrested about six months after I got arrested when I got sentenced they sent me see, they sentenced me to uh, prison or 18 to 24 months so I had to do that um, during my time when I was uh, actually before I got arrested while I was in school I was going to school to be a teacher and uh, I was really adamant on uh, uh, being a teacher. I found a quote by Eldridge Cleaver, uh, very problematic uh, or a very problematic figure, but I was reading Soul on Ice by Eldridge Cleaver. And uh, he said, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And I had no idea what I wanted to do at this point in time. And I was very, uh, I was very adamant that education was the biggest problem in our American society right now. If we had better education, then all of our problems would change. Now I see that that's a little naive, but I still I, I still see that education is a very very prominent issue. Um, so I went into teaching, and I wanted to be a social uh, social studies teacher in high school, and then I eventually wanted to be a principal, and I eventually wanted to go into, on the school board and superintendent, and just work my way up in the uh, board of education type stuff. Uh, when I uh, ended up getting that felony and I, when I went to prison, I realized that having that felony would significantly hinder my possibilities of becoming a public educator uh, throughout the country. So I kind of had to switch my uh, profession around and I started focusing more on videography. And uh, I got out of prison in October of 2018. I uh, started videography in May of 2019. 
And then in May of 2020, George Floyd was murdered. And then that's when my passion was hijacked by uh, community advocacy, community ad- advocacy and just uh, organizing in general. Uh, it, it, uh, it was really hijacked into where videography has been put on the back burner countless times since, uh, I, uh, since I started working uh, in the streets for uh, community advocacy. I wanted to go back to what you said about education being a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And I just like, can you talk about that? Like, so, you know, just even thinking about George Floyd and when he was murdered and all of the things that occurred after that, I think there's a way you could see that as people got educated in a new way and through a new lens. And that has what maybe has sparked everything that has happened since. Um, But I guess you could say maybe that wasn't education. I don't know. Like, what do you think, what do you think is maybe like some root solutions, like some seeds that have to be planted? I think the, uh, in uh, regards to education, my, uh, my idea and my plan uh, for education would be that it would be a generational thing to tackle. So it would be, we could really make a distinguishing conclusion on the, the research or however we do it within a 20 year span. And we would have to start uh, kids in kindergarten and we would have to completely eradicate the public education system as it is right now. Or we can even do it in a school district or we can even do it uh, for uh, an elementary school, middle school and a high school just to see how that goes. But I feel like we need to com- completely abolish the public education uh, system right now because I feel like it whitewashes history and it will uh, uh, sanitize and it sanitizes history to where you grow up and uh, uh, pre- uh, predominantly, well, even black students too. Uh, for example, they're, uh, the Daughters of the Confederacy in the South uh, up from, I think they started uh, mid 1900s on to the 1990s and they might even still be around right now, but they played a predominant role in uh, uh, the, the whitewashing of the education system in the South. And they were the ones that were funding a lot of the books and a lot of the literature that schools were using. And they had such a pull in the education system in the South that if the, any schools did not use the history books that they were publishing, that they would the schools would lose funding. Anyway, these books were, were uh, teaching that the Civil War was not about slavery. Uh, the Civil War was about uh, um, just states' rights. And uh, uh, they didn't look at Black figures in hist- uh, history at all. Same in the North as well. But they didn't look at Black uh, uh, histor- uh, historical figures at all as anything prominent, anything prestigious, and anything, uh, uh, anything uh, important. All they were looked at as slaves. They were looked at as victims. They were looked at downtrodden. They were looked at as... Uh, 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 um, uh, inferior peasants. Um, and so when you as a black person are witnessing this and you're reading this, and this is all that you see that this is your culture has, what, what type of pride can you, uh, how, what type of pride can be instilled inside of you when your education system is constantly uh, 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 shoving down your throat that you have been a victim historically, that you are uh, always inferior. We have always looked at you as inferior. Martin Luther King, uh, that's the way to go. He did it all peaceful. Um, Mar- Malcolm X, he's a horrible person. Black Panthers, they're horrible people. Um, Stokely Carmichael, uh, we're not even going to talk about him. Rosa Parks, she sat down and that's it. And I feel like once we once we abolish that system by whitewashing and then we add a more culturally diverse American system and a more inclusive education system, 
then as children, they will start to, uh, uh, once they get older, it will be instilled inside of them, that cultural diversity that right now the education system is lacking. And with that, with that lack of diversity and that lack of teaching and that lack of learning, of course, they're, uh, of course, they're going to uh, uh, be, have cognitive dissonance in, in an aspect of uh, when they see uh, systemic and institutional oppression right in front of their face, but they've never been taught it. They're going to be like, oh, no, that's not that, that that's not true at all. Prime example, prominent issue, white privilege. Uh, uh, so many times white people, they'll be like, oh, no, I've never had anything handed to me. I've never had this. I've never had that. I had to work for everything in my life. I've had to done. I've had to do this. If they were taught at an early age that, no, just because you weren't handed anything to you does not mean that you just still do not benefit from white privilege. You can go to a job, uh, job, uh, uh, go to a job interview. And if they completely turn you down, you know, for a fact that it was not because of race. You can go to the Walgreens and you can find new band-aids that are preferably specific specifically for you and that they will blend into your skin. You will find prominent figures on TV, TV shows, movies that look like you in a positive, uh, in a positive notion. You will see Barbie dolls and, and things uh, and things like this around you that look like you, that those are the privileges that you can benefit from without having a silver spoon fed to you. Now, it's so hard to, to explain this to people when they're 30, when they're 35, when they're 25, when they're 19, you know what I'm saying? Because they've gone through a whole system that has ignored that and has brushed that under the rug and that has shown that, no, the American way is the way, the American patriots, the American revolution, America, 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 America. So that's why I strongly feel like on an educational aspect, we need to abolish the uh, public education system. We need to desanitize it and we need to add more cultural diversity, more uh, cultural inclusivity uh, into it. And from kindergarten up until you graduate high school, that'll be about uh, 13 years. I think once we uh, once we do that, we can really see uh, the changes in the education system that I feel that can be changed. Yeah, I have some pretty significant uh, beefs with the public education system and like, you know, kind of what you're saying is there is, there are clear academic realities that our schools are currently ignoring. And even, you know, even something that's not as, um, that doesn't make white people as uncomfortable, right? So like, let's just talk about like the coronavirus, right? Like that's where we live in, but our schools are not using a science first model. They're using an economy first mile mm-hmm. model. They're not using a child first model. They're not using a family first model. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an economy first model. And I feel like it's like in Nebraska, public schools have a really strong reputation. They have a strong brand. They're generally beloved across the state. And they have been, um, I don't know, just like shitting away their reputation, making decisions based on what the governor would prefer and what capitalism would prefer versus what actually would keep um, children safe and happy and healthy, which are teachers who are not at burning at death, down at the bottom of the wick and families who the grandparents aren't dying for parents who don't have to go and work long hours without appropriate PPE. I mean, across the state, school started without enough PPE. Mm -hmm. So, so, I mean, I hear what you're saying because if something like that is impossible to achieve, something so basic, like how about we're in a global health crisis, let's take that seriously and listen to um, science. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like pretty cut and dry. 
here's what they said, let's do that. Um, yeah, it just, it seems so, uh, it just seems so impossible to even think beyond that. I mean, like, and mathematicians, they wanted to put new math in schools and parents, mostly white parents were like, well, if math isn't taught the way I learned it when I was 10, then how could it be right? And so a lot of schools chucked it, right? 100%, 100%. But like, 100%. we can't, just because it's different than when you were a kid, it is different than when, it just is. Things change over the years. Yes. We as society progress. It is mm -hmm. a yeah. Yes, it is a thing. When and, you were a kid, well, no, what are we saying? If we as a society are moving forward and learning from um, the past and doing the things we need to be doing to be getting better, things, of course, have to be changing mm -hmm. um, all the time. As a lot of those people, when you were doing math, schools might have been segregated. So like things, things change. Things are progressing 100 percent. Yeah. Well, OK, so that gets us to this summer. And this summer, you mentioned George, George Floyd and his murder was on video. You know, it impacted everyone. Um, what 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 changed for you? Like, how, how did you go from I'm a videographer? Because, of course, it's not new. Right. right? right. Like oh, these things aren't new. You knew they weren't new. You already were caught up in the net of the, um, you know, prison what do we call it? Where we just lock up everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is black, basically. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to do, especially the men, you all, you, everybody, uh, you have to do, you're like, you know, one to five years. And so it cuts off your opportunity. We're going to keep you in this red line part of town. And mm -hmm. then we're just going to blame you for everything that happens next. So you like already knew that growing up. Right. Um, so what changed this summer? Right. And it's funny as you say that because I really started to learn a lot about civil rights and uh, black liberation and civil disobedience when uh, I was about 17. Then uh, when I went to prison, I started reading a lot of books on black liberation. I uh, read a lot of books on Martin Luther King, Stokely Carmichael, Malcolm X, uh, Franz Fanon. Um, and I had all of this knowledge on black liberation and civil rights and civil disobedience and, uh, uh, holding your, uh, political leaders accountable, but I never, uh, put it into fruition at all. And, um, then finally when George Floyd was murdered, it was the first night of protest in Omaha and, uh, things got wild. Uh, there was a lot of tear gas. And then I never felt so, uh, I never so, felt so disgusted with myself that I wasn't out there with uh, my uh, constituents of Omaha, with now my comrades, but uh, I never felt so disgusted. I didn't know those people. Now I know a lot of them, but at the time I didn't know any of them. And I still felt so disgusted. I'm watching these people getting tear gas and I have all of this knowledge and I know all about this and I know uh, um, this is such a prominent issue in our society. And I have, uh, and I've read all this stuff. Why am I not out in the streets? Why am I sitting on my couch? Why am I watching this happen? And I couldn't even look at myself in my mirror. And I literally have never felt so disgusted with myself about not doing anything. It was eating away at me, like literally eating away at my soul. Then the next night, and then I made a post, uh, which made it even worse where I was not condemning 
the actions of the the protesters, but more so condemning the the organization aspect of it. And I was literally succumbing to what so many keyboard warriors do now, where they don't do anything but just talk uh, talk shit on uh, the organizers and talk shit on the the tactics and the strategies, but yet they don't do anything themselves. So I was literally mm-hmm. succumbing to those actions, and I felt even worse. I felt even more disgusted with myself. So the next night I came out. Then when I came out, I realized that I was with my comrades. I was with my, the constituents of Omaha. And I was, we were exclaiming our exasperation with uh, the racial issues uh, and the racial and the social injustices in our society, which plague us uh, uh, nationally and locally. When a racist bar owner, Jay Gardner, murdered James Scurlock, that was a prime example. And then also when I saw uh, leaders in Omaha where they told people to uh, pretty much told Omaha to stay back right after James Scurlock was murdered when we should have been out in the streets 10 times harder, uh, 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 infuriated, irate, um, exasperated, just ex- exclaiming our displeasure. We should have been out there and we weren't. That kind of festered inside of me uh, as well. Pro-Black was formed June 14th and then that's kind of where uh, it really started for me. We did our first mayor sit-in June 30th. Uh, at Gene Southard's, uh, um, Gene Southard's uh, office. And then uh, from there on, it really just, uh, it was just like a snowball effect. I just kept on getting more into it and I kept on falling in love and I kept on uh, building relationships and I kept on learning more things and it was amazing. It was the building community. It was, it was truly amazing, heartwarming. Talk about falling in love. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, I literally fell in love. Like I, I literally fell in love, and it's like I, I get such an immense amount of joy when I got tear gas and I got pepper, when I got pepper sprayed. It sucked. It was uh, when I got maced in the face on Friday. It was horrible. It was terrible. Not this Friday, but the Friday, the last Friday when uh, uh, um, after. Um, Kenley Jones was murdered and they uh, maced me and I was so they I was completely incapacitated for the rest of the night uh, or uh, I couldn't open my eyes for three hours but when I went to jail support I was so ecstatic at the the energy that uh, Omaha came out with in the cohesive at the cohesive image that we showed of camaraderie and that we stood tall and we stood together and we didn't allow uh, 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 the oppressive system to silence and infringe on our First Amendment rights. Uh, and like even speaking upon like that, the, the officer said that there was a couple eggs thrown. And uh, even if there was a couple eggs thrown, uh, one, anybody anybody in that crowd uh, was completely justified in feeling any type of emotion that they felt on the complete uh, um, continual uh, uh, terrorization from the police department on the community. Anybody is justified in feeling those that, that anger inside of them. Uh, and inflicting that anger however they feel uh they feel necessary so there were a couple eggs uh, that were thrown and uh, we showed omaha that when the police department is met with the delicacy of eggs we are met with the brutality of uh pepper spray and tasers and batons and uh um um uh brutality at the end of the day so um yeah it uh, uh i i get a immense once again, I get an immense amount of joy of from protesting, from uh, uh, holding the political leaders accountable. When I was in jail and I got out of jail, I still felt so motivated. I still I felt so rejuvenated. I felt like we I want to go out and I want to go out and uh, uh, put the pressure on them even more. And I wanted to think of tactics on how to put the pressure on them, different types of protesting. It just gave me more motivation. And 
uh, I see the, I, 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 the, the vision that I envision in the future keeps me going. Like the, the, the dreams that I see uh, in the future is what really, really gets my passion going and my motivation going. And the, the, the way I see society, the possibilities that society can uh, come to really, really keeps me going. And that's what I love about it. That's beautiful. Uh, there is something, there is something magical. I was at a protest at the state Capitol and uh, Pete Riggett's got like trapped in his press room, I guess. He didn't oh, want to face the people in Black the, his movement, office. Uh, Black Leaders Movement organized it, didn't they? Um, no, this one was several years ago. Okay, it was not. in response to a bill that would that he signed mm. uh, that requires medical doctors to lie to women who have had um, a medical abortion. So, so that it was a different thing, but it was, um, he had to come out and he like had to come through and I had, you know, my phone out and I was like, Pete Ricketts, do you have a statement? Do you have a statement, Pete Ricketts? And he was so angry. It's just, it's so delightful. Oh, I love it's it. I love because it. he's actually killing people. And if I can get delight out of just pissing him off, I mean, then I'm going to take it. Yeah, it's any chance that we can. We have to. He does not can't give a damn about the majority of Nebraskans. So why should we allow him to eat comfortably at our at our restaurants? How are we going to allow him to eat comfortably, drink beer comfortably, do all this comfortably while he is killing Nebraskans, while he is turning his back on communities, while he here is, here. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I cannot allow like we cannot allow him to be comfortable. We must disrupt his corruption. That, that and is, it's so not a difference. Different. I mean, it's not a difference in politics. I can take a difference in politics. Like we right. can duke it out in the political arena. Right. That's fine. Right. But he is actively corrupting elections with his billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. He is stopping all policy that Nebraskans want his supporters want things like Medicaid expansion, people who want uh, marijuana, people who want um, health care. I like the hair bill, the hair bill, like, like exactly <laughs> that doesn't even impact yeah, him. It's not an inclusive enough, <laughs> he doesn't even have any hair. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> hey, side note, I was getting a, uh, I was uh, running out of things to say uh, towards the middle of it, and I did kind of a uh, uh, resort to elementary tactics uh, when I was yelling at him, and I was like, uh, uh, "Your head looks like a penis." And <laughs> That's just a fact. <laughs> there's a, um, there's no, no, I need you to back up. Can we, can we go back to the beginning of what you're talking about? I don't want to hear what happened in the middle. Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So we all the way. Yeah. Okay. So pro black, we have built such an amazing community. I cannot, I cannot begin to explain the amazing community that we have built. And I'm so proud of it. I really cannot even words cannot begin to describe how proud I am of the community that we have built and still building. So so many times throughout our community, even when people don't like to protest, they still are connected in pro-black some way, shape or form. So, so many times we get a lot of calls where, hey, Stothard is having dinner at Yoshimoto or hey, uh, Ricketts and Stothard, they're supposed to have dinner at Dario's or hey, Ricketts is having dinner here, 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 here. And it's either from uh, uh, it's either from an employee or a friend of an employee or somebody who uh 
networks with uh, the uh, somebody that was at the restaurant at the time and they overheard somebody talking. A lot of times it's from members that aren't in pro-black, but they have, uh, and I don't even know who gave us that information uh, today, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, somebody let another member of pro-black uh, know and uh, they just kind of spread it. So we got word this morning that uh, Riggits was going to have, uh, uh, going to be at Script Town Brewery in mid in Blackstone District at five o'clock. So we didn't have enough time. We didn't have a lot of time to mobilize. I wish we had more people. I wish we had at least 20 people. We only had about 10 people. Um, so we had about four people inside uh, and they were kind of being our eyes and ears. We were waiting for them to tell us that he came in. He came in exactly at five o'clock. WOWT News, six, Channel 6, uh, started coming in about 510 and they were uh, interviewing him in the front. Then about four people uh, interviewing him in the uh, in the front where the bar area is. So like right when you walk in the door, kind of like towards the back, but you but you can still see him as soon as you walk in the door. Were, um, so, were they were they interviewing him about all the COVID that spread in Blackstone? Exactly. See, I don't know. I don't even know why WOWT was there at all because normally when we get when we get information like this, the news is never there. So as soon as we pulled up, the news was there. Uh, so. They were interviewing him. No idea what. I haven't even been able to look at the news, uh, the news article yet. It's probably going to come out in the next hour. But uh, we had four people outside. And then finally, the guy came in with the signs. And so that's when uh, the people with the signs, we just decided we were going to be outside, just uh, outside the doors. But then you're like, you know what? Well, no, let's actually go inside. So we go inside. The dude in front, he goes directly where... Uh, Ricketts is and like is standing in the camera view angle not saying anything and we're just holding big Pete Ricketts 125,000 cases over a thousand deaths blood is on your hands and those were both of our signs and it was just big signs so he goes right behind Ricketts right in front of the camera uh, and then I'm just yelling and I'm just yelling 125,000 cases. You don't give a damn about the community. You have turned your back on Lincoln. You turn your back on Omaha. You turn your back on the rural counties of Nebraska. You only care about yourself. You are a fascist scum. You are a Trump clone. Your penis, <laughs> your head looks like a penis. You are a shame to all of us. And Script Town, you are a shame and you are complicit in allowing this super spreader to come into your establishment just for a publicity stunt and you're adding to his propaganda. This is horrible. You should be ashamed of yourself. And I just kept on yelling at the Script Town uh, uh, owner was very adamant that I was ruining his date with Pete Ricketts. So he was in the front. Uh, he was like kind of pushing me aside, pushing me back, pushing me back, pushing me back, kind of telling me to leave, telling me to leave. And I was just like, Ricketts, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm not allowing him to kick me out. Like I, I was to the point where I was like, I was going to be there as long as Ricketts was right there. Once Ricketts left, then I was going to leave. Or if the police came, then I was going to leave. So, or if he was calling the police, then it would be different. He didn't even call the police. So he kept on pushing me. He realized that he wasn't going to push me. So he goes behind me as I'm yelling. This is about two and a half minutes long. He finally goes behind me when I'm yelling and like grabs my, uh, my hood and like, yanks me like literally like yanks me back like really like 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 very 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 aggressively honestly and i like yank my whole body back and then i like go back and i kind of like get in a defensive sense and i start yelling at him and he starts yelling at me he's like i just want you out and then i, <laughs> I turn around and i'm like Ricketts is a scum you should be ashamed of yourself da, 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 da. this is horrible and then the guy's daughter who's also the manager there comes in yelling at us that this is a family-owned business we're a locally owned business and i said you guys are complicit and all so me and them kind of get into it Ricketts goes into the back room to finish his interview 
Uh, he hides. He's a hider. You know, He's exactly. terrified he of the public. He, he hid right away. And then we had two members going to the back to wait for him. And then he slips out. We didn't even know there was a, a, a third door. He slips out the third door on the side. And then he just takes And off. then he ran away? Yes. And then he ran away. 100%. He's the worst. Exactly. So that's that's what, uh, that's what I was speaking about. Uh, it was very... It was... It was the only thing that the whole, the whole point of that was disrupting his comfort. That was the whole point. I, I, I strongly feel that if we have political leaders that do not give a damn about the citizens and the residents of the communities, we cannot allow them to be comfortable in anything that they do. We have to hold them accountable. We have to let uh, dis, uh, exclaim our displeasure. So in those, regard, in those regards, we definitely succeeded in our demonstration. I just, I think there is something to be said that is that is just often I mean I was telling you about this before we started recording but there was somebody with um seeing read a video early on in the Trump years mm -hmm. and maybe it was even before no because seeing red started in 2018 so it would have been after that mm -hmm. and she you know told him off in a restaurant and then she left and people were just totally shocked and aghast and very like oh my word this is not an appropriate way to show your displeasure and I feel like we've turned a corner in Nebraska and now we're saying no 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 you we ha you have broken the levy we're not nobody's okay with what's going on anymore you have you have bungled everything we have literally you know, for those people that don't know, in Nebraska, we had a uh, black man that was killed by a guy who went downtown, hung out in his bar with a gun in order to kill protesters and then left his bar to get into an altercation with protesters, killed one. The city prosecutor brought no charges, brought in a special prosecutor who he assured everyone would be good. That prosecutor did file charges. And then the city prosecutor said, well, because he's black, he can't be neutral with a black dead man. So I, I don't, I take back any sort of sentiment of neutrality I said that guy could have. And, and then he publicly denounced the Democratic Party and had a huge presser with the Republican Party, who I'm is the dominant, <laughs> yeah, who is the dominant, like, political party in the state, and they control everything, and so, like, people are tired of it, we're mm -hmm. just tired of it, we're not gonna have it anymore, and I, I love that we have come to this place where, you know, we're not, we're not gonna, we're not okay with it anymore. And we're like, you know what, Don Klein? Go be with the Republicans because that's where the racists are. I'm not saying the Democratic Party is free of racists. Mm -hmm. That certainly would be a lie. Right. But but the Republican Party is only for racists. Exactly. No, exactly. Exactly. This, this whole conversation reminds me a lot of the late, great Frank Lemire. And he said over and over and over again that change only comes when people are made to feel uncomfortable. and I think that it's really beautiful that we are saying no more, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Protests are meant to be provocative. I strongly believe that. If it's provoking anything, it's not succeeding in anything. You know, Barry, you also, 
you also mentioned that you wish there would have been 20 people there. Frank always said the people that are supposed to be there will be there. And if it's just a couple, that means there was only meant to be a couple of people there. So and that was enough. No, 100%. Good work. And it was definitely enough. Definitely. 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 I always think four is a critical mass. That's usually a good, if you can get four, because then you can have three doing something and then you can have one person who can tape it because if you don't get it on tape and amplify it, it's like it didn't happen. And the no, press almost always, they don't cover it. No, that's, it's so nice. Day. And that's why we're also blessed because now we have a very prominent uh, uh, live streamer in Lincoln and a very prominent live streamer in Omaha as well, who do uh, live stream the protest mm -hmm. uh, on a consistent basis and do have that footage that the press does not uh, uh, cover. So yes, and that, that, which is different from four years ago and three years ago and two years ago. So that's another thing, just culture changing as well. Oh, we love Jazari. We had him on the pod uh, early on this summer. Yeah. And then we haven't had the one in Omaha. We haven't had him on yet, but he's on my list of people I want to talk to. He's also, uh, he's also uh, uh, an organizer with Pro Black as well. He's definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he's doing some incredible work. Mm -hmm. I, there is a college professor. I don't know if he's still there or not, or if he's retired, but he's a theater professor at the University of Omaha. Doug, uh, Doug Yeah, Doug Peterson. Yeah. And he was one of my college professors back when I was in college uh, a while I ago. I Doug so much. <laughs> Doug is yeah. radical. He is for the people. He's He's always been radical. So like in the it. year 2000, he had, there were a couple of us, a couple of us theater majors, and we put together a like street play kind of thing. Mm. And we had like poses and signs. And then we went down to the old market. And I think I was 20 years old and they were, there was a, there was a ballot initiative to ban gay marriage in Nebraska which wasn't even legal. Right. It just was like a preemptive ban on it. And so we were trying to fight that in the year 2000. And so, you know, I'm 20 years old and I'm, you know, bright eyed. And so we go down and then he's like walking by, just like heckling us like, oh, gay people are gross. We can't let them get married. And then like people would just show up and like start arguing with him. And so it was like the theater for people just walking by overhearing it. And it was awesome. And so like this, the idea, like protest, if nobody talks about what you did afterwards, then you miss the boat. Yes. If it made people comfortable, then you miss the boat. But like, the point is to spark those dialogues because nothing's going to change if people aren't talking to each other. 100%. It can't change if nobody's talking to each other. And protests can be, whether you liked it or not, whether people like what pro-black has been doing all summer, in Omaha, everybody's talking about it mm. and trying to figure out how they're gonna move forward, mm -hmm. whether they like it or not. And like that is really effective. Totally. That is really effective. And I think it is, um, yeah, I just, but yeah, no, Doug, Patterson, he's so great. And like his whole thing is on the theater of the oppressed, Augusto Bual. And Augusto Bual, I think he came and did a seminar and I got to meet him and I went to the seminar. Like it was so cool. Awesome. But uh, 
Yeah, yeah. So he's cool. Like, take whatever he says and run with it. He knows what he's talking about. And he's saying gonna, the same thing, thing to, forever. We're actually trying to partner with uh, in a cop watch uh, effort. Pro Black is doing a cop watch thing, and he's trying to set up a, a cop watch as well. So uh, I was actually just talking to him this weekend about uh, uh, collaborating on the cop watch aspect. I love Doug. Doug's great. Yeah. I just got the mayor sitting with us too, which is can you tell our listeners what a cop watch is? Um, yeah, a cop watch Good is question. We, are, we are just holding uh, uh, officers accountable where right now, so on an or, uh, organizational aspect, we have members um, are, that are dedicated to the cop watch. They set up schedules where um, we have schedules, say Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, and we're in the black and brown communities, predominantly black and brown communities uh, that we feel is mostly oppressed by the enforcers of the impre- oppressive system, which are the officers. So we have uh, at least uh, two to four members in North Omaha, two to four members in uh, South Omaha, and about two to four members in downtown, and they're on shifts. So say that I am able to, uh, I'm able to, uh, I'm free from six to eight on Saturday, and then free from uh, five to seven on Thursday. Those will be my uh, schedules for that time, where I'm just chilling in that area, seven minutes away from pretty much everything to where as soon as I have the scanner on and I see that there's a, uh, an incident around my area, I go to that uh, incident and then I just record. And uh, we have a person recording and we have a person documenting, documenting, documenting. And then we also have a person just watching uh, as the eyes and ears. Anyway, we, what the, the biggest thing is that we want to hold them accountable and we want to uh, uh, make sure that people are, wa- that they know that the community is watching, let the community also know that we have have their back uh the 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 community member that's getting pulled over and that's uh getting subjected to uh uh, harassment as well in a lot of cases and then also we have the documentation on say uh that we take to city council and say okay so every time that we went to uh, a traffic stop why was the black and brown uh residents of the community asked to step out of their vehicle two and a half times more than the uh, the white uh, uh constituents of the community and like those stuff like that where we can be creating our own research and our own statistics and we have that backing of that uh, uh, police harassment and the police uh, bias uh, uh, that is in complete contradiction to uh, the things that they were boasting for the police contract in those regards. So yeah, the co- uh, the cop watch is really holding officers accountable and creating documentation uh, to and creating documentation to uh, have to back us up on uh, our premise of defunding the police. Also, we are really really adamant that we don't want to perpetuate the white savior complex, um, especially in those black and brown communities. So we don't want all white people to go to the cop watch and uh, um, uh, um, observe the incident. We want at least one person of color, whether they be black or brown, at least one person of color in that group. So there is a sense of familiarity uh, from the community member uh, as well, once they're witnessing this group of people uh, coming to their aid as well. That sounds incredibly cool. Do you have anybody working with your group that is like, um, you know, some kind of like a data wonk, somebody who knows how to build databases for all this data that you're grabbing? Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually really close with Omaha Abolition Research. Uh, have you heard of them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're actually really close with Omaha Abolition Research. We know all the members of there. Um, at the beginning of the summer, a lot of like pretty much most of those members we're coming to uh, 
all the pro-black meetings. At least the founding members were uh, of or were coming to pro-black meetings. And uh, me and Mark Hell, who is a, another organizer, uh, organizer, pro-black and co-founder, um, we are in close uh, contact with the Nobody really runs Omaha Abolition Research, but pretty much the people uh, the people that formed it and helped form that space. So yeah, the, uh, that or would be the closest thing to us for that. So we can, and we have before where we just go and we ask them for information, like, hey, can you guys look this stuff up? Hey, can you guys look this stuff up for us? Can you can you do some research for this? And they have given us research, and we we cannot be we cannot be more grateful for Omaha Abolition Research. That's fantastic. I know when I started working, well, not working, that's a loose term, but like um, with Nebraskans against gun violence, and we were able to raise our hand up to researchers at NYU, for example, who were like Second Amendment lawyers, and they could say, oh, here's the case law on this type of policy, and here's, you know, so then we had all these tools, because you have to have the data, and you need all those people with the high levels of education to just be accessible to the people at the front lines of the work. Right. Um, because we can't, the people at the front lines cannot always be, we're, you know, we're, we're not always in those professional roles. We don't always have those skills. And so it's, right. I, I'm glad to hear that the uh, people with those skills and those roles are accessible to you guys. 100%. Cause that's fantastic. It's yep. really important. Um, what is going on with, and I don't know how much you can talk about it, but like, can you walk us through, you were in Omaha the night of the kettlebell on the bridge. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Or are you under like a gag order? Right. Um, so yeah, I could talk a little bit about it. So I was the organizer of, well, uh, so me and one of the other organizers, uh, the night before we had uh, decided that we were going to do this protest in solidarity with Portland, because uh, I was when the, the feds were in Portland, and also uh, to bring recognition as well to James Scurlock, uh, and because uh, the grand jury was not uh, even formed yet. I don't know. Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. They had not uh, created the jury yet. So we wanted to bring note to that as well. I was the one that was leading the march. Um, and uh, so really, yeah, we uh, I was the one leading the march and we were just protesting uh, peacefully in the street. Um, as we were protesting all through the old market, no, we didn't have any problems with anything. The officers didn't bother us at all. It wasn't until we got away from all the patrons of downtown and we got away from all the eyes and ears of downtown and they waited until we got on an unescapable uh uh unescapable um spot which was on the bridge and the only way to escape was jumping off onto the freeway so they waited until they got all 126 of us on the bridge 135 of us they let some people go press all that but about 135 of us um, they waited until we were all on the bridge, and then that is when uh, they were yelling at us. We all got on the sidewalk. They were yelling that we were under arrest. Uh, 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 a protester, he was riding his bike. They knocked him off his bike. They started shooting pepper balls at him. And then another uh, protester tried to shield his pepper ball shots with a, with a poster. They started shooting that protester with pepper balls. That's when I was uh, – uh, 
they were really terrorizing us. It was a really dehumanizing situation. So uh, I was with my megaphone still, and I was just trying to bring up the morale to the best of my abilities, trying to just start chants, trying to tell everybody, don't let the, oh, this is the oppressive, I kept on repeating, this is the oppressive system, trying to fight back against your, res- try to fight back against our resistance. Don't let them see you quiver, stand up tall, keep your chin high. Uh, we cannot, uh, 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 we cannot show any type of fear. We need to uh, uh, stand strong. Uh, just trying to, like I said, bring uh, up morale in a very uh, uh, demoralizing situation. And then about 30 seconds afterwards, that's when like they grabbed me by my neck, grabbed me by my wrist. Uh, another officer started kneeing me in the ribs uh, while I was standing up, like like MMA style. They threw me on the ground. They were kneeing me on the ground. Uh, they, get, they put me down for resisting arrest. They arrested me right away. They threw me in solitary confinement uh, right away. Uh, they said they didn't want me uh, instigating anything. Uh, so I was in solitary confinement for about 20 hours. Um, but what a big thing about that is that a lot of those people were there protesting because they understood the mistreatments that uh, the black and brown community is subjected to uh, on a daily basis inflicted upon by the police of their communities. Now, for the first time, a lot of those uh, protesters were subjected personally to the mistreatments of police officers, uh, and that uh, uh, almost ignited a passion inside of them um, by the mistreatments on county corrections and by the police department. I think by them dropping the charges, by them just recently dropping the charges, I think that's indicative of the lack of justifiable grounds that they had to even arrest all of us. Uh, It shows that they, I think it it, it tremendously shows that they were infringing on our First Amendment rights and they were trying to silence us because the judge literally found that what they did was unconstitutional. So I think that's very indicative of uh, 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 or it, it shines a spotlight on them trying to silence us. It, uh, that is point blank proof that they were trying to infringe on the First Amendment rights and the judge proved that. And I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, and I also think it's great considering that it is uh, during the ACLU lawsuit as well, right after we had the, uh, right after we had the court case. Yeah, we had Jordan Corbin on right after that happened to talk about his experience and and I am still haunted by his description of having tear gas, like it was a hot summer night and it was like melting into his genitals mm-hmm. um, for hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just still, I am still haunted by his description of that. Mm-hmm. Can, I wanna, so you said one thing was that you were put into solitary confinement because they thought you were the type of person that might create a problem, but you had not created a problem. Mm. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Yeah, I think they're more insinuating because I was the organizer uh, mm-hmm. that they didn't want me with the crowd of people. That's kind of what I took from it. Uh, yeah, I, also giving people- I just thought it was interesting because when women are being terrorized by dangerous men, there is basically nothing that can be done until that man actually harms her right. Right. or is caught in the act of trying to actively harm her right. but if he is just incredibly likely or has had a history of harm in the past like they won't do anything no. uh, so i think it's very interesting that like when your crime is you said things we didn't like and then you walked in the street when we told you not to um that you can go to solitary confinement for that Oh, 100%. That's, and that's quite a stark 
contrast. 100%. And I shined, uh, I really wanted to emphasize uh, once we got arrested, we were protesting uh, Jake Gardner murdering James Skurlock and 126 protesters were incarcerated longer than Jake Gardner was for murdering James Skurlock. And that mm-hmm. just showed, that was a direct uh, indicator of this uh, Omaha and the society that we and, live in. And he was not incarcerated. He no, wasn't exactly. booked. Exactly. That's he never got point. booked. He didn't get a monk exactly. shot. They didn't, they just exactly. held him for a minute asked him a few questions and then sent him off. That's it. And then gave him an escort to the airport. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. So that's just, I just think like when people think about these things, I think it helps to understand when you have a scale, Mm. you know? So I think that's a good scale to say you can murder somebody on the street and not get your mugshot taken, but you can say things people don't like in a place people don't like you to say them and you end up getting booked and have a mugshot mugshot taken. Right. So I think it's just good to like, for people to understand that is the scale of like how fucked up it is. Fuck yes. So, okay. We're going to wrap up, but I have two questions I've been asking everybody. One for people that are new to the work and you can define the work, whatever you think that means to you. Um, what kind of advice would you say to them? People who are just waking up and they want to get involved in the work, what would you say? As in regards to how can they help? Um, I think you can define it. Like, what would you say if somebody was like, I want to be involved in the work? Right. Um, in pro black, we strongly uh, we strongly say, uh, and we want to emph- we try to emphasize that. Your value in the movement is not determined by the action that you take, but determined by you taking action. So you don't have to be in the streets. Uh, I, I use this example uh, because on our mayor sit-in, we had a lot of different roles that people could have uh, used. At our mayor sit-in, we had members inside a city uh, inside a civic center uh, at the mayor's office doing the sit-in. And if you didn't want to do that, we had people outside with signs doing chants. If you didn't want to do that, we also had a noise demo where people were in their cars driving around, um, driving around honking their horns, just making as much noise as they can, parking, honking their horns as much noise as they can. Then if we didn't want to do that, we had a call zapping team where they were just call zapping the mayor's office and completely uh, 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 overwhelming them. And then if you didn't even want to do that, you could do emails. You could email the mayor. You could email your city council members as well, speaking about the James Scurlock case at that time. Um, there's so many things that you could do, like even, for example, in Pro Black, we have an action planning and logistics team uh, that's specifically for planning and organizing demonstrations. We have a creatives team that's specifically for the signage, the verbiage, and uh, uh, the creativity aspect of it. We have a social media team. We have a dispatch and scouts team where they are really low risk. They don't normally protest. They're normally just walking around the perimeters of the protest and scouting out where officers are, what the officers are doing they're gearing up if there's counter protesters and stuff in those regards um so there's a lot of stuff that you can do um i think the first thing is also uh, uh just on social media that's the easiest thing if you see protests happening if you see uh if you see uh um 
really very, very, very important issues happening locally that you see, or even nationally, share that to your newsfeed, share the protests, share the gatherings, share all of that stuff. Um, sharing that knowledge is the first step. Um, reading that knowledge, reading that knowledge and acknowledging and recognizing that knowledge is the first step. And then sharing that knowledge is the second step. And then all of those examples that I gave you um, financially as well. There's some people that just do like to give money and they don't like uh, they don't like doing anything else, but they just like to support what they can. Great. Um, Hardy Coffee. They were also liberals who just didn't know what uh, how to help. Um, they let us use their uh, uh, store after hours when it closed for our meetings. It's like stuff like that. Just uh, recognizing the resources that you have uh, is also the is also uh, an imperative step. And then realizing or realizing what you can do with those resources uh, in regards to the movement. Some people. Uh, some people work at uh, uh, Jimmy John's and they get free bread. And we were, uh, when we were handing out food to the houses, we still handed out a lot of food to the houses. We'll go down to the, uh, down to the houses uh, where a lot of the houses hang out downtown and we'll give them bread. Uh, we'll give them soup and stuff like that. So it, it, there's so many things that you, know, you can think of on how you can help uh, uh, by just not having to put your body on the line and be out in the trenches and all of that stuff. Yeah, I think that's just it, that's real so important. The idea that just just do, just do. Like if your thing is writing letters, don't one don't let people shame you into thinking writing letters isn't good enough. Right. Write your letters. Right. Somebody's got to write the letters. Right. Um, also, if your jam is showing up at protests, that's fine too because someone has to do that too. Right. All the things have to be done for it to work. We all and so don't shame the protest people because they didn't write enough letters. Don't shame the letter writers because they didn't go to enough protests. Like there's enough work for everybody. Mm -hmm. 100%. Everybody plays a part. Mm -hmm. I love that there's a comms team that's uh, coming up with signs because I'm not very creative and that is so hard for me. Oh, I never very, know what to put very, on a sign. We have very creative, uh, cr very creative uh, uh, people. There was one, uh, she's a mom and uh, she has like this sign and it's a uh, little baby alphabet blocks. And it uh, the alphabet blocks are like A, C, A, B. Uh, yeah, those are the alph alphabet blocks in the, in the, po the sign. It says like, teach them young or something like that uh yeah it says teach them young and then the alphabet blocks acab so there's so many creative signs i love them and we have so many artists where they can like there's we have this beautiful poster and it's a brianna taylor and so that's so beautiful and like one of our uh people they created a kenneth jones uh they created Kenneth Jones, a poster. And now I was just at Kenneth Jones's family's house on Wednesday night. And they have that poster um, or they have that sign hanging in their kitchen. So that that's really beautiful as well. Wow. Yeah. And Kenneth Jones is an Omaha man who was killed by police for not following instructions. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's actually ridiculous, and it's a very uh, messed up case. And I I'm kind of ashamed in Omaha for not putting more pressure on 
uh, uh, the residents of Omaha for not putting more pressure on our system. Uh, so within 60 seconds the, uh, from the officers getting out of the car, Kenley Jones was murdered. That means within 30 seconds, the windows were smashed uh, off of a traffic stop when he wasn't even the passenger. So the fact that they smashed the windows uh, for him not stepping out of the vehicle when he wasn't even the passenger and he was in the back seat, And then when they struggled him, tried to pull him out, they said that uh, he and the officer had uh, their finger on the trigger, and then that's when the officer shot him. Now, once the video evidence comes out, and I and we recognize that, I tell everybody, but pig or not, if you, if you as a human feel as though your life is in imminent danger, danger, then you have any right uh, to uh, to protect yourself by any means necessary to the maximum of your uh, uh, capabilities. Now, if we the video comes out and we see a struggle ensue of just Kenneth Jones being non-compliant and uh, uh, resisting arrest, and then the officers seeing a gun but not Kenneth Jones reaching for the gun, then that is not justified, and that is a black man practicing his Second Amendment right as in our constitution, uh, in, as in our constitution, as uh, an American citizen, you have the right to carry a weapon and the officers saw that weapon and they saw a black man carrying it and they saw that as a threat and they murdered him so once that video comes out we'll really recognize uh uh we'll really recognize what's happening i think uh that was our demand for our protest was our first demand was that they released the video footage and our second demand was that they create an independent review board that has the power uh or to investigate the murder of kenneth jones and then the that independent review board has the power to terminate any officer that they find culpable in the murder of kenneth jones now they ha they're hiding behind a nebraska law statute stating that which ernie chambers proposed they're uh stating that they legally cannot release the footage that's them hiding behind the law that perpetuates a lack of accountability and perpetuates a lack of transparency that they are boasting so so courageously and so uh, uh, confidently about. And it's also that law that they're hiding behind is restricting the community of justice of just uh, allowing us to view the video ourselves. We cannot trust. Uh, a big thing also is the chief, he was saying that we cannot release the video because it will create bias to the jury. Now, right after he said that, he said that, but this was the most non-compliant video that I've ever seen in my uh, 25 years of being an officer. I don't want to bias the jury or anything, but right. this is the most non-compliant video I've ever seen. But we're not going to release the right. video. We're going we're to release three. We're going to release three still photos. But take my word for it that everything is cool. So that's just what where we're at right now is we just need to see the video for Kendrick Jones. Well, and I think it's important for people to realize that this idea of um, that people can carry guns in public and that it's legal, that really is only for white comfort. Oh, well, so if, if you carrying a gun disrupts white comfort, you actually don't have that legal protection. I don't care what the statute says. Right. And so like we saw this when people were at uh, is it Standing Rock? Standing, Standing Rock. Rock yeah. And they were saying that protesters were armed. They weren't saying they were illegally carrying. They just were saying that they were armed. Um, in the, but at the same time, we saw, we see people that are armed all the time that are white. Like when Ferguson was happening several years ago, there were white vigilantes with long guns, like AR style assault weapons walking around pretending to be police and the police were like thanks for having my back today sir look at kenosha look at kenosha so, right. i mean that's a more recent example of course 100 mm -hmm. so 
So that is not actually something that is afforded to everybody because deep down we all know it's nonsense that people should be carrying guns in the public square anyway. Um, we all know it's nonsense, but like white comfort demands that we accept it and we have laws that accept it. And so we do, and then we, but then our racism says that we also have to like kill black and brown people who do what white men do. 100%. The only time, the only time that the NRA has ever uh, uh, signed their name on a law that restricts gun laws was in 1966 when the Black Panther right. stormed uh, the Capitol, uh, uh, when Ronald Reagan was the governor of California. And yep. as they did that, the NRA came out and said, you know what, maybe we shouldn't allow people to have open carries. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Yeah, uh, but then a bunch people. of white people were like, you know, we're actually fine with that <laughs> because we're racist. But like, maybe they'll come after us next, which then we're not okay with that. No, we're and not. That okay is with when that the NRA radicalized because white people were like, you know what? They might try to do this to us. Yes, yes. So we're not going to go after like we're fine policing black people and their gun usage, but not white gun usage. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So. You know, that's just all nonsense. Yeah. Stephanie, do you have a final question? Last question, Bear. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen. What are you reading right now? Okay, so I am reading, uh, this is an uprising by Mark Engler and um, Mark Engler and Paul Engler. And I'm reading Meditations of Wretched of the Earth. Um, they're really polar opposite books. Uh, this is an uprising. It is specifically focuses on nonviolent approaches and nonviolent tactics and how that you can concede, uh, succeed, succeed with nonviolent uh, approaches and nonviolent tactics in the 21st century. Meditations of the Wretched of the Earth uh, is a, a book uh, speaking, uh, speaking, uh, having its own synopsis on Wretched of the Earth, and Wretched of the Earth is very, very, very uh, specifies on decolonization. It, Wretched of the Earth was written by Franz Fanon. Uh, he's a philosopher and a psychologist uh, from Algeria. The book was written in 1961 when uh, Algeria was owned by France, and uh, this was during their revolution. And he's speaking, and he was a main prominent figure in their revolution and the Algerian revolution, where it talks about decolonization and it talks about how nonviolent approach does not always work because we are we are we are uh, fighting against an oppressive system that we cannot morally compromise with. They have already shown that they are not morally conscious enough to recognize the oppression, the uh, systemic and institutional oppression, and them killing and raping the communities and decimating the communities, and they don't care. So we realize that we cannot ask them voluntarily to help us. We have to force it, and we have to take it from them. So Meditations of Wretched of the Earth is pretty much... Um, uh, 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 imprisoned uh, revolutionary, black revolutionary, uh, who is writing about uh, this and his ideas and his political ideology about it and how he does believe that we need revolution, uh, but sometimes it's not always going to be peaceful. And uh, also I'm reading about uh, Malcolm, X, Malcolm X's uh, speeches as well. And also I'm checking out Angela Davis's uh, Our Prisons Obsolete. Uh, so I'm kind of reading four books at this time, but I'm really focusing on This is an Uprising and Meditations of Wretched of the Earth. Uh, I do believe that we as a society right now, so right, uh, right now we have millions of people uh, in the world dying every year of starvation and lack of water. Uh, we have our elitists, our global elitists, our, our American elitists that have 
billions of dollars that can eradicate that world hunger and that can eradicate that world uh, dehydration and can eradicate all of those deaths, but they don't because it's not profitable. So these people we cannot morally compromise with because they are already consciously aware of the atrocities that they inflict upon people time and time again, the exploitation that they exploit with American working class, with uh, 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 child slavery and slavery over in third world countries and developing countries that they use for uh, in a capitalistic gain for profit. We cannot morally compromise with those people. So we need to use nonviolent tactics just as that, as tactics, and we need to use them when it benefits our movement, but we cannot isolate ourselves to those movements or to those tactics, because once we isolate ourselves to one singular strategy, we put ourselves at a disadvantage because now our opponent knows what our next move is going to be. We have seen Martin Luther King being a very prodigious factor in the civil rights movement and his very prominent and adamant nonviolent approach we cannot fail to put some of the blame on Martin Luther King and his nonviolent approach for getting us into the position that we are in right now. Right now, we are still fighting the same exact fight that we were fighting in the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement called for desegregation. It called for uh, the end of disenfranchisement and equality for all. Redlining and gerrymandering are prominent issues right now in the country. Uh, Omaha is in the top 40s, most segregated cities in the country. Uh, cities and schools are segregated now more than they were in the 60s. Uh, black people own less houses. The wealth gap is even higher. Black in, uh, infant mortality rate is even higher than it was in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, we are still uh, uh, we are still not equal uh, in any way, shape, or form. So the civil rights movement did not succeed, and the civil rights movement was specifically working within the confines of that system. Now I recognize that the tactics that they use we can use as salient tactics in our movement. But as soon as we isolate ourselves to that movement, we will get the same result that uh, uh, that the civil rights movement got, got, and that was just concession. And we cannot equate concession with succession and progression. We have to uh, 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 push the boundaries more than we're used to if we want to uh, get to where we want to be. And that's where I got, that's, that's kind of my... Uh, 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 um, idea ideology that I got from my reading. And that's why I like to read on peace. And I like to read on radicalism because when we morph the two, we can really get things, uh, uh, we can really get things done in my opinion. Yeah. And I would add just my own two cents that nobody asked for, but I'm going to share anyway, is <laughs> um, just a hyper focus on local Right. hyper focus on local right. like who is the mayor of your town right. what can you do about that right. your mayor controls your police force right. you can do something about that trying to worry about what's happening in dc guess what all five of the nebraska delegation is bullshit so just don't even worry about it just take it off your plate and no. stop worrying about it no your city council, your mayor are, are, are fixing the, or making the ordinances, are making the policies, are making the laws that affect you every day, are, are putting yep. your taxes into where they want, are creating the budget that affects you every day. Donald Trump yep. has nothing to do with our budget. The executive branch has nothing to do with our general budget at all. So yes, yep. I, totally, I totally agree with you. And that's, and that's really what we're trying to focus on as well is that we need to focus locally as well and put our local leaders accountable. Um, and I love it. Yeah. I've seen that like just with the, you know, just all of the different 
kind of types and structures of uh, Black Lives Matter kind of type work that's happening around the country. It's just hyper local. Mm-hmm. And, and I love it. And I, I think that's what it's going to take. Great. Good job, New Orleans. If you can get some stuff fixed down there, wonderful. That doesn't fix Omaha. 100%. You, you gotta, you gotta fix where you live. It doesn't fix Lincoln. There's problems happening in Lexington and Grand Island. I mean, that's where we saw all the COVID with the meatpacking plants and like the boss culture didn't do anything to save those employees. And in fact, the government made it impossible for the employees to leave and have any sort of safety net. So everywhere, everywhere, you just look at your town, look where you are and figure out how to do that work, like you said, how to take action where you are. Right. And find some friends. 100%. Find like-minded individuals <laughs> that agree with your message and amplify it to the best of your ability. I found Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me a heart with her uh, hands. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, you Bear. Are- I want to repeat one thing you said real quick because it's really sticking with me. Yeah. You said we need to disrupt his corruption. And you know what? That is going to be my goal for this week. So oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. That is literally right. my say disrupt the corrupt. We must disrupt the mm-hmm. corrupt. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Anyway, it was thank a pleasure, Bear. Thanks yeah, so much. No, thank you guys so much. Thank I you. love seeing Red Nebraska. So thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, you guys have a great night. You too. You too. Uh, You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com. Thank you.